Let us pray together. Jesus, you tell us here in your word that your joy, the joy of God, divine joy could be ours. That you give us this joy and and this joy of yours makes our joy complete and full. So Father, would you come with power through the spirit of Christ Jesus and and, and love us in a way through the preaching of your word and, and give us eyes to see Jesus in a way that we can understand what is Jesus's joy? What is this divine joy that Jesus gives us that, that makes our joy complete? Because, oh God, how we long for that. And Father, forgive us because we have looked about every place we could look to find joy. And it just has left us empty. So Jesus, would you come in a way that allows us to just fix our eyes on you in in a way that we just see you and you alone and we could commune with you through the preaching of your word in a way that, that, God, we become more like Jesus and we can embrace this joy. It could become ours. So give us ears to hear the voice of our Savior. God, give us hearts that will be filled with his joy. God, give us feet that, that walk in his joy so it could be full. The things that are said that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, but they fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of Jesus... Use those things to make us more like the joyful one, the man of sorrows and yet joyful. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen. Katie and I this week rented a movie called The Beaver. Uh, very kind of interesting movie. Uh, it's a movie about a, a man with some mental illness that has led him to be amazingly depressed. I mean, completely utterly depressed. And you look at his life from the outside and say, you know, why? I mean, he's married to a beautiful woman. He's got two healthy children. Uh, he has a career that was kind of handed down to him. He's CEO of a, a large company. And yet his depression was so great that it really consumed him. It, it consumed his life. It consumed his joy. It consumed his meaning in life. And, and really to the point in, life, in the movie where he just had to take his own life. But even, even in that attempt, he was a failure, and he was not able to take his life. Although he tried, he did not succeed. And so coming out of that failed attempt, uh, he found this puppet, this puppet that was a beaver. And uh, this puppet became his, his life. It, it became his identity. It became his joy. And as it crazy as it sounds, it, it seemingly somewhat rescued him. I mean, he, he put on this puppet. And as he put on this beaver puppet, puppet uh, that was really now his identity. And he, he never took it off. I mean, it was ludicrous, but he went to work with it. He was in the shower with it. Uh, everywhere he dealt with it. When he dealt with his kids, they talked through the beaver. When he talked to his wife, he talked through the beaver. And even in business, he told all the people that this now is our CEO, the beaver. 
And it kind of comical and kind of sad, but that was his identity and that was his life and that was his joy. Seemingly worked for a little while. Things seemed to turn around. Things started to look up, but eventually, in reality, if we put our hope in anything other than God, if we want to put on anything other than God to be our life, our hope, our joy, it ultimately will kill us. And it did. And he had to say, I got to kill this thing to take it off, to find my identity elsewhere. The Bible says this. The Bible's interesting. The Bible says that we too are to put on, not a puppet, uh, not a puppet of Jesus uh, or not a puppet of, of anything in his creation. The Bible tells us that we are to put on Jesus himself, that, that we are to put our lives in him, that we are to be connected. Unbelievable. Listen to this, what God's word says. It says that we are to be connected to God, that, that our life is to be connected to him in a way that his life flows through us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is what scripture says in John 15, right before what Vicki read. Jesus says, I am the vine. I'm the true vine. I'm the vine of God. And, and your life should be connected to me. And if your life is connected to me, then I will be your identity. I will be your life. I will be your joy. Not just some puppet. But I will give you life and, and life abundantly when we are connected to him. It's amazing. Jesus says when we're connected to him, it says that we will have his joy. Did you hear John 15, 11? Uh, John 15, 11 says this. These things I've spoken to you, Jesus says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Wow. According to God's word, Jesus' joy could be our joy. According to God's word, having Jesus' joy our joy could be full. So it begs the question, does it? Well, what is Jesus' joy? I mean, what is he giving us? What is Jesus' joy that could be ours so much so that our joy could be full? Well, there's three things. You can want to follow along in your bulletin for the outline. There's three things that what we're really going to do is try to answer the question this morning. What is Jesus' joy that he gives us? Because I think there's a lot of confusion, confusion between joy and happiness. We'll talk about that in a minute. But really, what is Jesus' joy? Well, the thing, three things that Jesus gives us, the joyful life, well, it's the simple life. The joyful life is a simple life. The joyful life, it's the surrendered life. And believe it or not, the joyful life is the suffering life. Oswald Chambers uh, was writing in his utmost and his highest. I think actually his wife compiled those, but it came from his teachings and it was looking at John 15, 11. It was looking at this verse that basically says that Jesus' joy can be our joy and, and that in him our joy can be complete. And what Chambers says about Jesus' joy is very, very telling. Listen, listen to this quote this morning. The joy of Jesus was the absolute self-surrender and self-sacrifice of himself to his father. The joy of doing that which the Father sent him to do. By rightly related to God, find your joy there. And out of you will flow rivers of living water. Stop being self-conscious. Don't you love that? How self-consumed are you? I mean, I mean they, even, they even think of joy. How much do we just turn inward to try to find our joy and our ha- happiness? Chambers rightly says, stop being so self-conscious. Stop being a, a self-conscious, uh, a sanctified prig. One that just is, again, trying to do moral things on their own. And live the life hid in Christ. 
Jesus found his complete joy here on earth and in all eternity being completely uh, surrendered to his Father's will. Isn't that interesting? Jesus found his complete joy in that simple life, that joyful life, to come and to do his Father's will. He says, this is all that I've come to do. Matter of fact, Jesus says that, that this joy was so great that doing the Father's will was such as focus that, that there was even joy, listen to this, even joy in enduring the cross. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, that for the joy set before Jesus, the joy set before him, he endured the, the scorn of the cross. Why? Because he loves us and he wants to come and rescue us. Why? Because he loves the Father's will. He's going to keep all of his commandments. And, and Jesus, with this unbelievable focus, Unbelievable focus on the Father found his joy even for suffering for his Father's glory and for our health. One of the distinctions we got to make before we go any further is there's a difference between joy and happiness. We don't always distinguish that. And as Americans, we, we kind of blend joy and happiness. And, and a lot of our uh, American dream kind of joy or happiness, it's so egocentric. It's so me-centered. And one thing we're going to find out about Jesus, uh, it's, it's his joy was so theocentric. It was, it was so God-centered. It was centered on God. It was also centered on, on others and laying his life down for us. Maybe a good distinction you want to think about is this. Happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. Happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. And they could be as flippant as if the Gators won or lost last night. Okay, those circumstances, it could be uh, circumstances of health or or your financial situation. And listen, don't you love the reality about God that the fact that he says, I'm not asking you to always be happy to put on that happy face and pretend that life doesn't hurt to pretend it's not hard right now to pretend even though uh, you want to weep and you're weeping from the inside out. I mean, scripture tells us we're to weep with those who weep. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice. Scripture tells us that Jesus himself was the man of sorrows. So there's a real difference between happiness at times and joyfulness. Joy is, happiness is dependent on our circumstances. Joy is dependent upon our relationship with Jesus. Happiness, circumstances. Joy, Jesus. In reality, if, if, our, if our joy is based on Jesus and his character is unchanging and his work to rescue us is completely finished, here is some amazing good news. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you find yourself in life, in Christ Jesus, we can be joyful. Because his joy never changes of that relationship we can have with him. Let me ask you this question. How simple is your life? Because the joyful life is the simple life. Uh, John 15, 10, right before he tells us about the joy, he says, here's, here's my focus. My focus is doing all that the Father has commanded me to do. So this joyful life, this uh, simple life, has a singular focus. It, it just, in all the things, of all the things that are going on, this simple life is just so singularly focused. How simple is your life? How joyful is your life? 
Remember, simple doesn't mean easy. If anyone had a difficult life, it was Jesus. I mean, simple doesn't mean easy. I mean, for him, it was living without a home. I mean, for him, it was sacrificing everything, including his, his own life. But to him, it was giving up everything and, and even having his one last garment uh, uh, gambled for. Simple doesn't mean easy. And joyful doesn't always mean happy. But Jesus had a simple life. Therefore, it was joyful. If you were to divide your life into compartments, how many would there be? If right now you were to take your life and you would split it into different compartments, how many would there be? You think, you know, oh, there's family and uh, there's my friends and my job and my health and my retirement or whatever. How many, how many compartments would you have? You see, really, this simple life, this joyful life, we should have one consuming passion. We should have one compartment of our life, one compartment that everything of life passes through. It, it seems like even as Christians, we have all these compartments of our life, and we've been told a lot of times that here, seek ye first and make sure that that compartment of God, that compartment of Jesus, that somehow that that's number one. And then you have all these other compartments, and, and really we spend our lives like, like trying to make sure that everything is in right alignment. I think that that's going to drive us crazy. It's going to take away our joy. It's going to bring great fatigue to try to say, I mean, do I have my life in right priorities? Is it all compartmentalized, all lined up right? Life's too complicated for that. Life's too difficult. And that's not really the way life is supposed to be lived. We're not supposed to pass them through all these filters and make sure that they're all aligned properly. We're supposed to pass them through one filter. And, 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 and that one filter that we are to pass them through, that one simple life is to basically say, God, may your will be done in my life. Jesus, may you be my consuming passion. Just as it was uh, clearly in Jesus's life. Not trying to put Jesus first, but basically saying, thy will be done. So when you have questions that come up in your life, you know, hey, should I do this? Should I be involved in this activity? Uh, uh, does it fit with my schedule? Does it fit with my life? Um, usually at times, again, we're trying to, we're trying to shovel the, uh, shuffle the dominoes in our lives. But really for everything that comes into our life, everything, good things, bad things, struggles, everything, God, what is your will in this? What is your will with my job? What, what is your will with my relationship with my spouse? What is your will with my relationship here? With what is your will with, with uh, my kids' sports activities? What is, what is your will with, with my kids' uh, colleges? What, what is my will, students, uh, with where God's going to want you to go to college? What is God's will? We're to pass our lives through one simple filter. Thy will be done. Jesus' singular focus. Let's look at a couple of verses. John six thirty eight. John six thirty eight. It's amazing what God's word tells us about Jesus. John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' whole purpose says, I've come just with a singular focus and a singular passion. It's my Father's will. Look at, turn the page over to John 5. John 5, 19, then we'll look at verse 30. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son, he's talking about himself, can do nothing on his own accord. 
but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. I love that. As we last week, we talked about being imitators of God as dearly loved children. Last week, we talked about the fact that God has called us to walk in love as Christ has loved us and laid down his life for us. And I love seeing the parallel that Jesus says, listen, I'm just imitating the Father. I'm just doing what the Father does. I'm, I'm looking to him and he's my filter. He's my joy. He's my life. He's my identity. And I'm doing nothing without my eyes focused on him. I'm imitating him. And we're called to imitate Jesus. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus' sole focus was on all that the Father had sent him to do. He says, I'm going to look to him and him alone. Even keeping his commandments, and I'm going to find joy. All right, let's just talk. Do we really believe that we're going to find joy in having our eyes just fixed on Jesus? Do we really believe it? I mean, really, isn't that our struggle? I mean, we, we know this. In a lot of ways, okay, Jesus came. He came with a simple life. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's his whole focus. He came to do his Father's command. That was his whole passion, his whole consumption. But do we really believe that we are going to find our joy, our life-saturating, soaking, changing joy in Jesus. I think the reality is, again, we talked about in that first week, is is the flesh, the the weeds of the flesh. And the, the flesh is longing to be satisfied as well. And we live our lives, and oftentimes the, the flesh, our sinful nature, will say, go find joy in something else. Go find it in a relationship with a man or a woman. Uh, Go find it in success. Uh, Go find it in money. Go find it in position. Go find your joy somewhere else. It's like, go and put on a puppet. A puppet of joy. A puppet of sex. uh, a, A puppet of popularity. And go find your joy there. I think that a lot of times we think about God and his commandments to us and, and the life he's asked us to live. And I think it down deep down in, in our flesh, we think that God's a killjoy. I mean, I think deep down, if we're really honest with each other, we'd say that, I mean, God has given us these commandments and he wants to tell us what to do. And ultimately, is God really out for our joy or is he a killjoy? I think we look at Jesus' life, and although he's a man of sorrows, we realize that he found his joy, and his joy was complete in living for that one filter, that one goal, by putting on God and his love. That was it. What puppets are you putting on? Saying, I hope to find my joy here. C.S. Lewis, in The Weight of Glory, wrote this. And he talked about our passions and he talked about our desires. He says, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Does this not describe us? Listen to this. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Are you joyful? How simple is your life? 
How many filters are you trying to run them through? Is your focus, Jesus, thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Second thing, the joyful life is the surrendered life. Right after he says his, his joy he's going to give to us and it's going to be complete, he says in verse three, 13 that, that no greater love is man to know than this, than to have one lay down his life for his friends. We see that Jesus had a, a life of surrender. It was a surrendered life to lay his life down for his father. Uh, that, that included a, having a life with a singular purpose. A singular purpose. Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. That's why I'm here. I love what the gospel writer Luke says. Uh, He says that Jesus kind of set his face toward Jerusalem and he never wavered. What does that mean? Well, Jesus knew what he came to do. Jesus knew that he came to rescue you and me. He knew what Jerusalem was going to cost him. He knew what he had to sacrifice for us to have life and life abundantly. He knew. And he knew that there'd be distractors along the way. And he knew how hard it was going to be. I mean, he sweat blood in the garden just knowing how hard and difficult it was going to be. So what did he do? He set his face. He set his face like flint in the direction of Jerusalem. Says, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to go rescue him. I'm going to complete what the Father has signed me to do. I'm going to surrender all I have. The joyful life is a surrendered life saying, God, I'm here for you. I'm here. I'm your ambassador. You want to shine your light through me. Let me surrender my life and lay my life down. Amazingly, even in the writer of Hebrews, as I mentioned earlier, for the joy set before him, laid down his very life. Jesus says uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, after uh, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, and, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, blessed are you, This is amazing that you know that that the only way to have life is through Christ. And then Jesus went on to talk. He says, listen, if anybody wants to find his life, anybody wants to find joy, anybody wants to find joy apart from me, life apart from me, it's like putting on a puppet. You're going to lose it. But if anybody wants to find their life, if anybody wants to find my joy, it's by surrendering your life to me. Okay, let's talk. We don't believe it, do we? I mean, do we really believe that, that we're going to find life in laying ours down? Do we really believe? I mean, I have this sneaking suspicion inside of me, this flesh that always boils over, that if I really go to the edge and really say, God, my life is surrendered to you, that I'm going to miss something good, you know? And, and that he's going to take away something I actually like. And, and it's not going to be really what I want to be. So what I want to do is have one toe in, one toe out, you know? I mean, just kind of like, I'm kind of in because I think there is some life and joy over here. But man, there's some good stuff that the world has to offer. So I, I don't want to be completely in. And I'm just going to walk this line. And you know, it's really kind of living what the scripture says, a lukewarm life. And you know what the lukewarm life God says about the lukewarm life in Re- Revelation 3? It says it makes them sick. It makes them want to spit you out. He says, I wish you were either all in in the world or all in with me. Quit straddling the line. 
And I think the reality is, is this surrendered life is that we, deep down in the core, do we believe that we will find ourselves if we surrender all of ourselves to Jesus? We will. My brothers and sisters, the way we're to have life and life abundantly, the way we're to have joy and joy abundantly, the way we're to have these things is that Jesus' life would consume us. And that life will give us his joy and his life. Lastly, the joyful life is the suffering life. And this life has a singular strength. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> you know, you look at the Bible, you read through the Bible, it's, it's almost, you almost want to laugh out loud that Jesus comes along and says to the disciples, hey, by the way, I'm going to give you my joy. And you start putting together scripture and you think, well, what did Isaiah call you? The man of sorrows. <laughs> I'm going to give you my joy. What was your joy like? Surrender everything to the Father, including your life. What kind of joy is that that includes suffering and sorrow? Oh, listen, there's amazing things here. Again, this life has a singular strength. As we studied through Nehemiah, uh, the last series we had, we realized that Nehemiah said this, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and I, I think that we got to let that percolate a little bit more inside of us. What does it really mean that the joy of the Lord is our strength? Well, here's what it really means is that our circumstances aren't our strength. Our, our own lives aren't our strength. That, that our joy should not be found in something either inside of us alone or, or what the world has to offer. That, that this joy that we're to have is to come through a relationship with God uh, through his son. And then the, the joy of the Lord, the joy that God loves us, the joy that Jesus has purchased us, the joy that God's blood has been shed for us, the joy that, that God's righteousness robes us, the joy that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the Lord, the joy that knows that nothing can snatch us out of the Father's hand, the joy that knows that one One day we will see Jesus face to face and we will be like him. The joy that comes from knowing that we will reign and rule with Jesus. The joy that comes from knowing that God is for us who could be against us. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not our circumstances. And, and And then we realize that if we have the Lord, we have all things. There's a great story in the gospel of Luke. Jesus sends out 72. He sends out 72 and, and they go in, in Jesus' name and empowered by uh, Jesus' spirit. And I'm telling you, they do some amazing things. I mean, they're, they're healing people. Um, and not only that, they're casting out demons. I mean, the, the, this, the world's being turned upside down because Jesus' presence was with them. And, and they come back and there's like the, the best celebration of high-fiving that you've ever seen with Jesus in his 72. I mean, these guys could hardly get the stories out. They're so excited. I mean, one's talking over another and they all want to one-up each other that they've had a better story. They've had a better experience. And, and Jesus is just so awesomely Jesus. He's so cool and collected. He's like, yeah, I saw it, man. I mean, like Satan was falling from the sky like lightning. It was amazing stuff, guys. But let me tell you something. Don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice that demons shudder when you speak. Don't rejoice that you were able to heal the lame. Here's where your joy should be. Your name, that's written in the book. Your name, you're one of mine. You want joy? You want joy? You're mine and I'm yours. May that joy 
be your strength. Listen, and, and, and an amazing thing about Jesus is it says that we, we are connected to him. And as we are connected to him, we, we are to, to share with him in life. And listen, we're to share with him in, in sufferings as well. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 3.10. And Paul says, you know, I want to know Christ. Above all things, I want to know Christ. And I want to know the fellowship, this koinonia connection, this fellowship in the Greek word, this, this oneness with Christ Jesus. Listen, I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And, and, and there's, as Christians link to him, there's, there's a way that we live our lives as a simple life and a sacrifice life, but it's also a sorrowful life. Because what did John say? John says, they're gonna, the world's going to hate us. It hated him, it's going to hate us. It's going to hate us. And if we're connected to him, we are going to have to suffer from a world that says, you guys are crazy. You're crazy. You're going to put your, you know what they think we are? They think we're walking around with a beaver on our hand. They think we're walking around with this beaver thinking, you, you live in your life in Christ? What are you, nuts? But that suffering that comes from that connection is joyful. Have you ever suffered for the name? Gosh, mine's been pretty thin, to be honest. But Paul says some crazy stuff, but he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so we've got to listen. The Colossians 1. I think it's like 14. Paul says that he is going to fill up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. That his part of his life is to fill up what was lacking in Christ's sufferings. Now, theologically, some bells should go off. We should all be thinking, what in the world wasn't complete in Christ's sufferings? The one who says, it is finished, was it not finished? Was the sacrifice not good enough? yes. It was finished. It was good enough when it comes to our justification, our standing before God. Christ Jesus' sacrifice for your sin and my sin was sufficient. We are forever declared, ready for this, not guilty before a holy God. But the story's not over. He hasn't come back yet. We still have tears. We still have suffering. And what he says is this, is now that we, listen, this is unbelievable. Now that we are connected to Christ, we are grafted into Christ, we have this simple, surrendered, joyful, sorrowing life that, that now our lives are to tell the story of the gospel. That now our lives are, are just supposed to have suffering as well as Christ has suffered. Why? Why? So the world sees Jesus through us. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. We're about to have fellowship in his suffering. And the story's not complete yet. The church is going to have to suffer to tell his story. It's amazing. I think, I, I think Katie and I learned about suffering and uh, learned about joy. And we learned about happiness and we learned about trying to abide in Christ through cancer. I don't know what, what your experience has been and I hope and pray that it's been something. It's amazing how God used suffering. I mean, amazing. I mean, I, I remember when we started and, and things were bad. I mean, I remember equating joy and happiness right together. And, and man, if I'm not happy, I can't be joyful. And we weren't suffering for the name of Jesus. We were just suffering in a fallen world through a terrible disease called cancer that God has miraculously worked through. But man, oh man, to find joy there is the rarest and most beautiful of jewels.
I mean, when you're weeping and when you're confused and when you're angry and when you don't understand and Jesus is there. When everything hangs in the balance and Jesus is there and when you know he's for us and you know that he's with us, There's joy. There's God's joy. Jesus' joy. And our joy can be complete, even in sorrow. Too many churches are telling you that if you're a true follower of Christ Jesus, you will not be sorrowful. (laughs) What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 6? He says, we're always sorrowing. We're always in trouble. Yet we're rejoicing. That's why he's able to say in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice always, always rejoice, no matter what your circumstances. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he's for you. All right, where are you trying to find your joy? What are you putting on? What kind of puppet are you wearing to try to find your joy, your life, your happiness? Jesus says, Put on love. Put on Christ. Come and and, and lay your life down. Find the simple life of just saying, thy will be done. Find the surrendered life that says, I lay my life down, Jesus, to find it. Find the sorrowing life that still has the joy of Christ Jesus. It's kind of a gruesome scene in the movie. Mel Gibson's character that lived with this beaver, although he had some success, his life now was spiraling out of control. And he and the beaver were in a life and death struggle, literally. And and I didn't show it because my stomach queasy. It was kind of really gross, but you know he was a woodworking guy and you could hear the buzzsaw go on and, and, and he cuts off the beaver. The next scene, you see his arm. It's just blood everywhere. and He had to cut it off. Whatever in our life we look to apart from Jesus to try to find joy, Scripture says we got it amputated because joy can only be found in him. Let us pray. Father God, The reality is, is (laughs) I preach this stuff and yet so much of my life will go running to find joy in all the wrong places. Jesus, you show us a model of a simple life. That's the joyful life. A surrendered life. That's the joyful life. It includes suffering. That's the joyful life. But in reality, God, we don't trust you. And we're not sure we can believe you because the American dream has told us that we should be supposed to be happy and we can find our happiness in ambition, drink, sex, what the world has to offer. Father, would you love us enough? Would you love us enough to show us Jesus afresh this morning? Would you love us enough that you would show us how ridiculous it is that we're trying to put on puppets 
of this world to find our life, our joy, our identity. God, would you love us enough to be able to help us amputate those false weeds of the flesh? God, would you love us enough to show us again Jesus? And would we truly say, Father, let me now dedicate my life to you. Because as I do, I find it. And I find joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.